Hello, I'm Sean Owen and welcome to Warwick Podcasts. I'm here today with Casper Terkola and Emma Beerman, who were students at the University of Warwick. They recently returned from a voyage to the Arctic, which was organised by the World Wildlife Fund. This voyage was organised to raise awareness of the effects of climate change on the Arctic and the wider environment. Here, they talk about their experiences and what they hope to achieve. Can you tell me how you became involved in this project? We've both been um, working on climate change issues previously. Um, we've been doing the campaigning at university and also at a national level. So this was just another way of getting in touch with the subject. Um, not many people ever get the opportunity to visit the Arctic and it's not an area you ever think of um, in terms of climate change. I, for, for me personally and for Casper as well, I believe we both sort of look at it more in terms of development issues and social justice and how it's affecting maybe developing countries and Bangladesh with um, rising sea levels and um, we forget about how important the polar regions are and um, so it's been fantastic to learn about that and of course the voyage was an opportunity to sort of really get in touch with a different type of nature it's very different from the UK it's intensely beautiful I've never seen somewhere like that before so powerful and yet very very vulnerable to the effects of our actions here and all around the world I think people underestimate the impacts of maybe driving their car or their the energy that they use so it was really really good to see that angle and take that back to people and share the experience with them. I just, I'd just like to add to that. I think the timing is also really important, particularly with this project. Um, we've seen recently in the headlines that there might not be any ice, any sea ice at all this summer. Um, so that was another uh, reason why the, the WWF thought, OK, we really need to draw attention on the Arctic as an area. Particularly, as, as Emma was saying, it's not really a place where it's not in the common imagination. Um, it's it's very distant. You don't you don't go there for your holiday. It's, it's just something um, which is so far away. But as Emma was saying, it's so vital to our kind of world climate. Um, it plays really, really important role to to regulate temperatures so I think that was another really important reason why we went. Emma on reading your blog it appeared that the experience was as much an emotional journey as it was a scientific expedition. Um, can you tell us about your experiences? Absolutely um, it was a very emotional experience. I felt that before I left to go to the Arctic, campaigning on climate change had almost sort of become habit for me. It was something that I did regularly. It's something that I knew that we needed to be working on. And then going to the Arctic really reinvigorated me and really um, gave me a lot more energy on the issue and reminded me exactly why I'm doing it. Like, this place is beautiful. We, we live in a heaven on earth. We really do. Um, and we're so privileged to be able to see these places. And it just makes me really happy to think of the place but yet so scared and so sad of maybe losing it. So it really did sort of jumble me up and has brought me back here and made me want to work even more on the issue, um, but with passion and really sort of try and transfer the energy that we all had with the other 16 young participants and the climate scientists and everybody else who was involved in the project, sort of share that experience with other people and let people know that also that we're not just... We're not experts on this issue, we, we just care and we want to be able to show that other young people can care just the same as us um, and it doesn't, doesn't take a lot. I suppose in that respect then the voyage was a success because you've really taken away the experience of actually visiting the Arctic and that's renewed your um, passion for raising awareness of climate change. Casper, yeah. can you tell us about your experiences? Were there any challenges that you found while you were out there? 
Well, they were long days. So let's start there. Um, <laughs> we'd get up at 6.30 and uh, some others and, and I myself put on some crazy costumes and did some aerobics on the uh, on the front deck at 7am <laughs> with, with the uh, with the Arctic uh, scenery um, around the boat. So that was that was always good. Um, but I mean, for me, I, I don't come from a scientific background at all. And it was a real challenge to, to grasp what was going on in terms of science. Um, when I look around the natural world, I, you know, I see trees and I see lovely animals, but it, it, it's not much more than that. But we had such an intensive crash course really in in how the climate works and the long carbon cycle and feedback mechanisms and all these very kind of scientific ideas and and, and um, concepts and I was really struggling with my GCSE biology but we got there in the end and it was a total revelation for me and so wonderful to be able to look at a glacier and to understand this is not just a big pack of ice this is a this is a constantly moving um, really an organism in the way there's so much life in this frozen ice and what does that mean to the salinity of water and all this kind of stuff and it, it just really opened my eyes so that that was a that was a fantastic challenge to, to overcome as well uh, what really surprised me in terms of kind of emotional side of things was just how wonderfully diverse the group was um, Emma and I were already friends before we left which was great but um, you know, meeting these people from all over the world, some people working on waste management projects in the Philippines, the other one who's going to write a play about climate change and take it on a tour, and the other one who's setting up uh, an ethical investment fund. And it's just, it just gave me such hope and inspiration to see, you know, I'm not the only one, first of all, who's acting on this issue, but what a great range of ideas and, and things that there are out there that we can all do. So that was really amazing. And it, it does make sense to... Um try and articulate scientific principles to people who aren't from scientific backgrounds because if you understand the science then you can portray that to other people who may not understand the science. What what else did you hope to achieve from this uh, voyage? What was the point other than going to the Arctic and having a look at it? Mm, I think the point was to really understand the impact of um, the Arctic region on the rest of the world. Typically people know that there's um, the melting of the sea ice, which is integral to that ecosystem. I think we underestimate how important it is. I didn't realise how how important it is for the habitats and, and the whole cycle of, of water and the Gulf Stream. So the point was to, to learn about that. And apart from the melting sea ice and how that's causing rising sea levels, there's also something called the albedo effect, where um, actually with the melting of the ice, it means that there's less white to reflect the sun, which means there's more ocean to absorb the heat, which is also contributing to global warming. So those are examples of like the sort of things that we learnt. I think casper has got some, <laughs> some more things that he'd like to talk about about that. So yeah. No, I was I was just going to add um, in terms of what what it was really all about. Um, I think we'll all be aware of kind of the, the Kyoto Protocol. Um, which has been kind of running for a few years now and will run out in 2012. Um, and these uh, ongoing international talks and kind of conversations which which happen between the international community are always ongoing. But next year, in December 2009, at Copenhagen, there's a really, really vital agreement taking place because what will happen there is the successor to Kyoto will be decided on. So what's really vital is that people realise that this is not not just another G8 talk, not just another congressional meeting, but this is really going to be where decisions are made which are really going to affect the way we live over the next 50, 100 years. And I think as young people, we have a real vested interest because we're still going to be around. And although I'm not sitting there in that decision-making chair, my life is going to really be so heavily impacted by that decision being made there that I want to make my voice heard as loudly and clearly as possible to say that we're not going to accept failure there. Really, it's, it's not a point of, of you know uh, demanding this and getting only half of it and being happy with that. We, we just can't accept failure. 
And to pick up on what Casper says about um, young people, that's also clearly what one of the points was. I think that the voyage was a way of enabling young people to build up a worldwide network where we can access other young people and um, talk to them as communicators. We're in a fantastic position, We're very privileged, because not only can we talk to other young people who are a generation that um, are going to be most affected, um, arguably, I mean, we make up over half the world's population. Also, we're at an, a stage where we can also communicate with politicians. And so we've been given these wonderful skills to work with both young people to mobilise them on the issue, but also talk to politicians who are the decision makers. You mentioned that part of the... Um part of what you hope to achieve is to reduce carbon dioxide levels by 80% by the year 2050. This seems like a very tall order. Do you think that this is achievable? Absolutely. Um, and it's not only achievable, we have to do it. Um, really, it's it's funny because a lot of people see this perhaps as just another issue. And I can understand that um, because there's so many things out there in the world that we do need to care about. But this is not really about what I want to see. This is what science is telling us we have to see. And if, if anyone listening is really interested in the kind of the, the more technical aspects, I'd really encourage them to look at a report recently brought out by WWF called Planet 2050, where you have all the graphs you'll ever need to explain how we can make those cuts. Um, but I think a really obvious one, which is often overlooked in in the press perhaps, is that a lot of energy which we have is simply wasted. Um, Efficiency is where we can make the single largest cut, and it's the easiest, it's the cheapest, and it's the one we're going to start with, I I hope and pray. Um, Other things which we don't really think about, like forests, at the moment, um, global greenhouse gas emissions, 15 to 20% of them come from deforestation. And if you think that our total transport network, flying, cars, boats, everything, only emits 13.5%, you can see that we can make these huge savings simply by just changing some very easy things which will save us money save us energy um, and it's, it's just so obvious it, it does rattle my brain somehow that w- why we're not doing that but so I would really emphasize that it's absolutely possible and totally necessary. To come back to the actual voyage itself though is it true that you actually went swimming in the Arctic? <laughs> um, yeah we, we went swimming in the Arctic mainly because we thought we we're only going to be here once in our life and we would love to be able to say that we've done it so we did no wetsuits. I've never felt so cold in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was freezing cold um, and we felt quite numb and I think we looked quite a sight um, running out um, the expression photographs with the expressions on our faces are, are fantastic. Um, it, was, it was a good way just of demonstrating that also we were having fun on, yeah. on the trip. Yeah. Um. I mean, just in a very kind of a touristy way, we saw some most stunning things. I mean, the, the wildlife we, we saw and had access to as well was just beautiful. Um, we had a very po- polar bear with a, probably a theatrical background because he he did the works for us. He was rolling around and uh, showing off various poses for the camera. And uh, we've got some fantastic footage. Um, we saw seals and walruses and, and very rare birds. And I was actually really astonished to see how, um, how much wildlife there is there because you think it's such harsh conditions. Um, and what we really found out was that where the kind of most productive ecosystems are, are where the water meets the sea ice. Um, And you'd think, well, how can anything live there? But the water which kind of hits the sea ice gets welled up. So you have all these wonderful nutrients and plankton come to the top, which feeds fish and birds. And so you really have this is this is the center. And again, another another product of of global warming, when we when we don't see that sea ice, which which might disappear this summer, those ecosystems are going to be destroyed and and they won't come back quickly. Um, So that was a very kind of immediate thing, seeing 
gosh, isn't this beautiful and wonderful, but what an immense responsibility we all have to protect this at the same time. And I think one of the favourite aspects also was meeting the other young people and the other people on the ship. I already sort of mentioned it a little bit before, but I didn't believe I'd come away feeling the way I have. I, it's just something I didn't imagine. Such a great network and such inspirational people that I admire their dedication and their ability to succeed. And that's what we've come away with. We've come away all together saying we've got each other. We're not one person working on this issue. We're many young people working on this issue. And we've got a fantastic support network with WWF and each other. And they're people that I will, will treasure forever. Um, we, we call each other the Arctic family. <laughs> so that's one of the things that has been fantastic about the, about the voyage. Obviously, this endeavour is ongoing. What are your plans for the future? Well, it was great, really, because from our side, WWF did not really say, we want you to do this and this and this. Um, obviously, they've really encouraged us and helped us wherever they could. So we've been meeting with MPs, MEPs. Um, we're meeting with Hilary Benn later next week, the um, uh, Secretary from the Environment, which is fantastic to have access to those kind of people. But really, what, what it's about for us is about really mobilising young people on this issue and saying that it's not just for, for environmentalists or people who are in, interested in politics, but it's such a cross-issue cross, cross issue, issue <laughs> really. Um, so we've decided to, to put together the Youth Climate Coalition. We're in infantile stages. We literally just, just put it together on Saturday. But what it's all about is bringing together, um, as I said, not only those traditional groups um, who are interested in this, but drama uh, clubs, um, swim teams, NUS, brownies, anyone who, any organisation where young people play a real role, to bring those together to show the kind of unity within our generation and say, this issue is going to affect all of us so fundamentally. Please, please don't ignore us. But I think also we've got a lot to do within youth for them to recognise the role they have to play. And I think something Emma just mentioned, how we feel really empowered um, by having all this training and, and access. Um, and that's something we really have to pass on because I think a lot of young people just feel that they're not being listened to, that they don't matter. Um, and that that goes beyond just, just climate change as an issue, just with a lot of things we see in the press today. Um, and I'm really passionate about bringing that kind of self-belief um, to young people and hopefully getting them to, to raise their voice on this issue and to really make a difference at the end of the day. Thank you.